Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce our host of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Business Talk. Hope everybody's well today, this President's Day week. Hope you're on vacation. I am not, but that's another matter. Uh, we have a great show for you today. We have with us Kevin Dillon. He's the executive director of the Connecticut Airport Authority. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? And welcome. Good morning, to George. Show. Great to be with you. Good to have you here with us. Uh, I suppose there's nothing going down at the airport, absolutely whatsoever. No. <laughs> um, obviously, a, a very busy. Well, we'll put busy in quotation marks, but a, a different time for the airport. A lot going on, and we want to to get to that. Um, there's probably been very few businesses that have been as impacted by this pandemic as the airlines and the airports that serve them. And we want to talk about that. So uh, start by telling us what you're seeing and, and what, what is happening with the airport in terms of traffic and volume. This would normally be a, a very big week for you, I'm sure, but it's probably yeah, absolutely a- Absolutely. Typically, this would have been one of the busiest weeks of the year here at the airport uh, with the holiday weekend and school vacations uh, typically occurring around this time. Uh, But unfortunately, we continue to have extremely depressed activity here uh, at the airport as a result of the pandemic. You know, it's uh, if if you go back to April uh, when the pandemic began, um, Bradley Airport was actually down 97 percent in terms of passengers year over year when you compare to a a time period prior to the pandemic. But even today, we've only been able to cut that loss to being down 70 to 75% on any given day. Now, I mean, a lot of reasons for that. Um, I, I do think um, here in the Northeast, uh, airports are down a little bit more than you'd find across the rest of the country because the travel advisories that are in place here were put in early and in many cases are a lot more stringent than you'd find in the rest of the country. So um, despite the fact that there's, you know, still a segment uh, of the population that wishes to travel, these travel advisories have made it very, very difficult for people to do that. Right? So just because, where, not to interrupt, but just so people will know, and, and I will know, where can people go? I mean, overseas, there's, there's just very few places that you can go to now, but even in this country, uh, there's, there's fewer places that people can get in a plane and travel to. Sure. I mean, international travel, for all intents and purposes, is shut down uh, for the moment because of the restrictions on people coming in from international destinations into the country. When you start talking about even domestic travel, we're starting to get a little concerned because some of the measures uh, that people have put in place for international travel, for example, requiring testing, are now being talked about as a potential requirement for even domestic travel. I was just going to bring that up. Um, you know, a, a negative test to get on an airplane sounds extreme, but but people are talking about it. Uh, yeah. What, what are I, you hearing? I mean, that would be devastating uh, for the industry. And I think, you know, as an industry, we are trying to impress upon the administration the very, very negative impact that would have on the limited travel that's occurring today. You know, when you think through um, the capacity, the testing capacity, it's challenged to begin with. Uh, before you would introduce something like this. But to start taking away some of that testing capacity uh, to test for domestic travel doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, You know, 
one of the things that I've tried to get people to understand uh, throughout this pandemic is airports throughout the world, and in particular uh, here in the United States, have really gone above and beyond to try to make travel as safe as possible, right? I mean, every airport has stepped up their cleaning protocols, their sanitizing protocols, uh, procedures uh, for checking in with the TSA, for example, have been adjusted to minimize uh, TSA officer and passenger contact. Our airline partners have put a lot of uh, safety measures in place, uh, even to the extent of how you board the aircraft now. And what a lot of folks don't realize is the air quality aboard an aircraft um, is a very good level of air quality because typically on most jets, that air is recirculating completely within three minutes mm -hmm. and it's all being passed through HEPA filters, you know, filters that are very similar to what you would find in a hospital setting. And I, you know, I personally believe that you're safer aboard an aircraft than you are shopping in your supermarket. I was just going to say, this is what people are saying. You're safer in an airplane. Unfortunately, you've got, I don't say unfortunately, because, you know, the country is being told not to gather in large groups and some of the busiest days for airports, Thanksgiving, the holidays, uh, school vacation weeks, people are still being told not to gather in large groups and to gather in large groups. Usually, you know, people get on an airplane to do that. So, you know, your message is being not necessarily contradicted, but uh, it's being put in the context of these other warnings that people are hearing. So let's go back a couple of minutes and then we'll come back to where we were. Before the pandemic, Bradley was on a, a bit of a roll there. You were doing a lot of investing. Uh, your airport was getting high marks for its quality and its service to people. Talk a little bit about uh, what we had been doing before the pandemic. And then we're going to zoom, no pun intended, Sure. back to where we were. Sure, we, we had uh, enjoyed a lot of success um, here at the Connecticut Airport Authority, particularly at Bradley uh, Airport. You know, we did take over the operation of the airports from the state uh, back in July of 2013. And ever since that time, we've put an emphasis on customer convenience here at Bradley. We know in large measure that's what we're selling at Bradley Airport, and that's how we're competing with some of our much larger competitors, principally the New York airports and up in Boston. So we put a lot of effort into that. Um, we put a lot of effort into marketing the airport, particularly to the airlines. Right? In a lot of respects within the airline community, uh, for a long time, Bradley was the best kept secret. Uh, we wanted to change that. We wanted to make sure uh, that airlines knew what this market was all about. And as a result of all of those efforts, investing in the facility, investing in the time with the airlines to get them to understand, you know, the, the, the Bradley market, the Western Massachusetts market, the Connecticut market really paid off. And we were able to convince the airlines to, you know, put a lot of their very limited aircraft assets into Bradley airport. Right. You had a lot we, of new routes there. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even, even during the pandemic, uh, we have been able to convince uh, carriers like JetBlue, for example, uh, to add some very exciting cities. Uh, they have added uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Las Vegas on a nonstop basis, uh, as well as Cancun. Um, in March next month, uh, we're going to be starting Nashville service by Southwest. So, you know, the unfortunate part is, you know, it's, it's a limited market right now. Um, so you do have to struggle to make those routes work. But we're, we're still out there in the midst of this pandemic selling Bradley and trying to get the airlines to understand you know, everything that this market has to offer. And that was the key to our success. 
right? The emphasis on route structure, the emphasis on customer convenience here at the airport really paid off for us. Mm-hmm. And the airport has always been a, a tremendous asset for this region and its business community to have an airport that close, that convenient. So you, you don't have to go to Boston or to New York to fly to a lot of these business destinations. It, it's been a big help. Um, tell me what that kind of decline in business means for the airport. Obviously, it's a dramatic decline in revenues, but what, what does it mean short and long term for your operation? Sure. I mean, there is a direct correlation uh, to passenger volume and the amount of revenue that we have coming in. You know, if, if people aren't flying, they're not parking here at the airport, so we're not getting parking revenues. So if they're not flying, they're not renting cars. So the rental car business is down. Certainly the concessions are down. And when you look at the level of airline activity, and you have to keep in mind that the airlines here are paying in excess of 60% of all of the costs here at the airport, their actual flight activity on any given day is off by 50 to 60%. So we're losing as much as 60% of the landing fees that come in from the airlines. So we've had to you know, make a lot of moves here uh, to make sure that we can keep our financial house in order as we struggle through this with such a, a large drop in revenue. But just to try to put it in perspective, if you look at the the last quarter of fiscal year 20 for us, which would cover the period of April, May, and June of uh, 2020, the first three months of the pandemic, we were 50% below budgeted revenue targets. Uh, That was a loss of $10 million in that one quarter alone. So what we've done, you know, to counteract that significant drop in revenues here is we've instituted things such as a hiring freeze, Uh, We cut the operating budget uh, immediately by 10%. We've come around and cut it again by another 10% on top of that. Uh, Certainly, we've deferred all salary increases for uh, non-unionized employees uh, here at the airport indefinitely. And we've deferred about $23 million worth of uh, capital improvement projects here at the airport, projects that we feel, you know, we have the ability to delay for a couple of years. So, those things combined um, have really, you know, carried us, you know, uh, across this to this point anyway. I mean, we've also received some federal assistance. I was um, going to ask. You know, airports uh, across the country under the CARES Act had $10 billion worth of federal assistance made available. Uh, that money was uh, provided to the FAA to distribute via formula uh, to airports across the country. And when you look at you know what Bradley received, we received about $28 million in CARES Act assistance. Now that sounds like a lot of money, but to put that in perspective, $28 million covers about three months worth of operating expense and debt service here at the airport. So considering you know we're already 11 months uh, into this dire uh, financial situation, we've had to be very smart about how we manage our expenses and our reserves uh, here at the airport as well. Hmm. Now, there must be associations for airport managers and, and airport authorities, and you must meet regularly. What, what do you folks talk about when you, I mean, obviously there's a lot of commiserating going on, but are you talking about what life is going to look like when this is all over? I assume you are. And sure. What do you anticipate in terms of how the landscape is going? People aren't going to go back to, taking the Queen Mary across the Atlantic and they're not going to go back to taking a train across the country. Is there any doubt that we'll get back to where we were before? Well, you know, in terms of, of working with it, we have two major 
um, airport associations that we deal with. Um, you know, right now in the heat of the battle, you know, we're very focused on things like making sure people understand the negative impacts of testing protocols on domestic flights. We're trying to get standardization at airports across the country as it relates to mask wearing, as it relates to um, procedural things such as TSA procedures to minimize uh, contact, uh, airline ticket agent uh, and, and passenger contact. So that's what we've really been focused on over the past year. How do we reinstill confidence in folks into flying? Yes, we've certainly talked about the future and where we think uh, this is going, but I think you know the conventional wisdom uh, is that until you see widespread distribution of a vaccine, you're not going to have that level of passenger confidence that can fully sustain the system. Right? I do believe um, you know once you have that widespread distribution of vaccines, there's a lot of pent up demand for the leisure travel. Right. Big questions, though, in our industry is what will business travel be like in the future? Mm-hmm. You know, my, person- yeah, my, my personal belief is that, you know, those, those companies, corporations that have external customers, that travel will return. I think companies will always see the need to have to personally meet with their customers. But the bigger question is when you have some of these larger corporations like UTC, for example, that has a number uh, of satellite locations throughout the world, will they have their own intercompany travel return to the level that it was? Or, you know, have people become used to the medium we're on right now uh, in terms of conducting business via Zoom and other platforms? That's probably the bigger question for us as an industry. And as you know, I mean, business travel is the core of sustaining just about every route that an airport has. You have to have that that heavy business use to make the leisure uh, traffic work uh, on particular routes. If you listen to uh, industry experts that look at things like this and forecast to the future, many of them are saying it will not be until 2023 or 2024 before you see airports get back to pre-pandemic levels. So that's a long way to go in terms of dealing with this financial issue that I referenced a a little while ago. So how long can you... I mean, can you handle another year like this one? Probably not. I don't. Well, I think, um, you know, if we continue to operate smartly um, uh, the way we are, you know, things like a, the hiring freeze has saved us quite a bit. What that requires, though, is that uh, other employees have to pick up the slack. People have to work harder. People have to pick up extra duties. Uh, and as you know, I mean, a hiring freeze can go just so far. You'll get to a point where, you know, when vacancies arrive, you have to, you have to fill them. So we are projecting that 2021 will continue to be a very um, negative year for for air travel. You know, when we put the budget together um, for 2021, we had anticipated that by the end of the year, we would only be down 25%. That does not look like we're going to realize that forecast. But I do believe once the vaccine is distributed, 2022 will be the year of recovery. Uh, for Bradley Airport. And as I said, you know, we are hearing uh, about the pent up demand, particularly for leisure travel, as soon as people can feel comfortable to travel again. Well, you're good at anticipating my next question. You've been doing it all through here. What are you hearing from the airlines in terms of their bookings? Most people book flights months in advance, not weeks. Sure. Are they, are they seeing their numbers ticking up for the summer and the fall? Or? 
right now, those numbers seem to be holding um, pretty steady in the area, uh, you know, that I mentioned before of us being down 70 to 75%. So what the airlines have done naturally is they've pulled a lot of the flights uh, out of the system because they're trying to build up the load factors on the aircraft. But, you know, unfortunately, unless you're in a holiday period, you know, for example, over Thanksgiving, over Christmas, over this president's holiday period, uh, we are seeing higher load factors on particular days. But immediately after that holiday period passes, you go right back uh, to that very significant loss where, you know, you can have a 737 with uh, 30 people on it. And that's very, very difficult for an airline to make it work. So as we talk to the airlines about the future, right, because they're also pinning their hopes uh, on this uh, vaccine distribution, you know, we, we, we have talked to our partners to say, what are you projecting uh, in terms of your operation? Every airline is indicating that they will be a much smaller carrier coming out of this, meaning less employees, less aircraft. So the thing that, you know, we try to get people to understand is prior to the pandemic, this was a very competitive business, right? We as Bradley Airport not only compete with the regional airports for passengers, but we're competing with every other airport in the country for limited airline aircraft. There's just so many aircraft that can be spread around the country. Well, guess what? I mean, following the pandemic, with the shrinkage in the size of these companies and the available aircraft, that competition is only more intense. Who wins and who loses in that competition? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the secret to, you know, developing a healthy, you know, service network comes down to two things, really. First and foremost, you have to have the market to make it attractive for an airline to operate here, right? If you don't have the market, it doesn't matter what else you do. Uh, they simply can't make that work. Prior to the pandemic, um, this market had all of the fundamentals for some great success here. A lot of whether or not we can continue to boast that really relies on what will be the regional economy coming out of the pandemic. I mean, if this regional economy is not healthy, it's not going to be a healthy travel market for the airline. So first and foremost, you have to take care of that piece of it. But running a very close second becomes the overall financial profile of an airport. And that's why we put such a heavy emphasis here at Bradley on our costs. Because when you think that through, right, all things being equal, if we have a market to a particular area that's just as good as uh, Norfolk, Virginia, but Norfolk has lower costs than Bradley, the airline's going to put the, the aircraft down in Virginia. It's not going to come here. So we, uh, prior to the pandemic, had set a strategic goal that we will always have the lowest airline costs of any airport in this region. And we have been very successful at meeting that goal. The challenge will be coming out of this pandemic, can we balance that drop in revenue and still be able to offer a good financial deal to the airlines? One last one. Most of the focus when it comes to federal assistance has been on the airlines and not the airports. Is there a trickle down uh, when the airlines get support from the federal government? Does that trickle down to the airports? Well, uh, you know, keeping them afloat, uh, keeping them in business, keeping uh, aircraft flying is always a benefit to the airport. So we, we fully support uh, the federal assistance that's going to the airlines. I mean, uh, the cash burn that an individual airline has on a daily basis is amazing. You are talking of millions of dollars of loss daily uh, that they're sustaining. 
So it is very important, I think, for a variety of reasons, you know, let alone the economy, uh, to to keep these airlines afloat to get through this uh, pandemic, because you need to have that infrastructure going forward, not only for the benefit of, of an airport, but it's the benefit of the broader economy here. So I do think it's very important. And, uh, you know, roundabout way of answering your question, yes, propping up the airlines keeps mm -hmm. airports propped up because our, they're our main business partner. Well, Kevin, as always, you've been a big help, very informative. Uh, I wish you luck down there at the airport. I hope 2021, hope those numbers uh, come out a lot better than uh, they look like they're going to at this point and that uh, you can beat those projections. Absolutely. We need everybody to take a vacation by the end of the year. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> sounds a lot good, of people right? have it. Talk about pent-up demand. Thank you again, Kevin. Well, we'll have you on again soon. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. This has been Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. We'll see you next time. <laughs>